0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Mobile hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to TetheredNation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utila Bridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. I'm your host Clint Campbell and you're listening to episode number 363. Today we're covering my Kansas hunt and killing a booner from the ground. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Let me be the first to wish you a happy turkey day. Happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, everyone spend the uh, the day with some family, some loved ones, maybe get out and do a little bit of hunting. I did a little bit of hunting last year, filled a tag uh, on Thanksgiving morning, which was awesome. It was one of my favorite things to uh to do. And actually, you know, if you still have a tag in your pocket, this time of year, you know, this week um, into like the very beginning of December uh, is a great time to catch a a big deer zombie walk. And if you ever listen to anything, you know, Don Higgins talks about this time of year. It's one of his favorite times of year just to kind of catch a big deer trying to look for those last couple does making mistakes, making themselves really vulnerable. Um, you know, they're depleted physically at this point, mentally, and they're just trying to, you know. Fulfill their biological destiny, if you will, one last time before uh, the getting is good and, or the getting at all is over. Um, and so it's a great time to kind of uh, capitalize on one, making a sp- uh, mistake, especially if there's one in particular that you're chasing and you maybe have a bead on him or know where he where his haunts might be for those last does be a great time to, to try to stick an arrow, uh, an arrow in him, but it's hard to believe, you know, December's creeping up on us here. Thanksgiving's here. Uh, Pennsylvania gun season opens up this coming weekend. Um, and then, uh, you know, after that, then the, then, then the late season, my season is pretty much done at this point. I've got a couple of doe tags. I'll probably end up trying to fill, do some hunts with some buddies and stuff like that. Um, after we kind of get through the holiday season and, uh, you know, into, um, the December kind of timeframe, that'll be, that'll be my kind of plans. But, uh, with that, um, you know, before we jump into today's show, you know, what we're doing today is this is going to be kind of the discussion about the Kansas hunt that I, um, that I had, um, and really kind of still kind of surreal. It's, you know, i still sometimes don't think it actually happened, but the pictures, uh, that my buddy Lucas took, suggest that it is, (laughs) uh, which is awesome. I had a killer hunt, had a killer time in Kansas. Um, the hunt was crazy. Um, you know, crazy part was, is I was only, you know, there for three days and really hunted for two. Um, when I filled my tag and there's just a lot happened within that, um, within that short period of time, um, to kind of make this hunt kind of come to fruition. And, you know, first, before we start off, I want to just say, you know, to everyone who reached out, text message, DM, whatever the case was, Uh, I just appreciate you guys sending a text or, you know, sending a DM or whatever it was. You know, just want to say thank you to all you guys. Um, You know, a lot of you that have listened to the show or follow me on social or whatever know that this has kind of been a three-year journey, um, this being the third year. And I was determined to try to kill a buck from the ground um, in Kansas. That was my goal. Um, I I didn't really want to do it any other way. and, And some buddies of mine were kind of like, man, why don't you just get into a tree? Um, which would have been, you know, an easier way to do things maybe and just kind of play the waiting game. But that's not really what I wanted. I set out to kill one off the ground and I was determined to do it. Either it was going to happen or I was going to continue to make mistakes until I learned uh, to figure it out. Um, And so, you know, those of you had followed along and kind of knew how long it took me to try to make this thing happen. I just appreciate you guys support. Um, And then, you know, Last but not least, of course, is the guys that were actually there with me. You know, like I mentioned, Lucas Broken Straw Media took all the pictures. Appreciate you um, coming out and, and and doing your handy camera work for me. Those the photos are awesome. You know, going to be great memories for me for a long time to be able to look back on those. And Lucas was along for this as well. But like Trey Kern um, and then uh, Cameron Durr all came out. Both came out as well. So it was the three of them. Once I got one on the ground, like they were they were in the same general area as me, but an hour away hunting. And, uh, I text them whenever we had a group text going on just to kind of, you know, share if any of us were seeing any deer or anything like that. And I text them that I, um, shot a good one. And, uh, I mean, I didn't even, I mean, I no sooner sent that text and they basically said, don't do anything. We're on our way. We'll be there in an hour. Um, so those guys kind of dropped what they were doing and, uh, jumped in their trucks, <laughs> drove an hour to meet me where I was at. And, uh, and it made it awesome being able to share it with a couple of guys, um, to help with the drag out and stuff like that. And truth be told, it's like, I, it would have taken me hours to get him out if, um, uh, if it weren't for those guys. And I don't know that I could have even got him in the back of my truck, just how big he was, um, solo, it would have been a Herculean effort, um, to do that. So wanted to just make sure that I showed gratitude for the guys that were, um, that were there with me, you know, giving me, um, Giving me a hand, so with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. A little bit different setup than we usually have. Cameron was in camp. We're in the rut wagon. Um, Cameron actually, you know, ran this episode for me uh, to kind of ask me questions about the hunt, and I participate as the guest in this one. And so, appreciate him uh, jumping in and doing this on an evening where he had some work to get to, but he took you know the hour and some change out of his out of his evening the the day after the hunt uh, to record this podcast with me. So. Uh, appreciate you, Cameron. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into the show. As always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast coming to you live <clears throat> from the uh, Mauve Bomber, the Run mm-hmm. Wagon. As you were, I'm here with my good buddy. You know him. You love him, Mr. Cameron Durr. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Happy to be here.
2: Happy to be in Kansas and uh, happy to be sitting here with you.
1: Yeah, so we're going to do... Um, we're gonna do something a little bit different here today. If you listen a couple of weeks ago, I had my buddy Aaron Hepler on. I turned the reins over to him to kind of run the show. He talked to me about the the PA buck kill. So if you don't follow me on Instagram or or whatever the case is, um we had some success in Kansas. It's been a long time coming. So in the spirit of that, I'm actually gonna turn this shit show over to Cameron. <laughs> um and I'm sure he'll do a much better job than me, but he's going to Lead this thing as the esteemed host this week, the guest host of the Truth from the Stand podcast. That's a big honor. It's, uh, well, easy, easy. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's an honor in like Bangladesh, maybe, I'm, I'm, or I'm huge in Denmark. You know, <laughs> is, that, is that your, is that what your analytics are showing? My analytics are showing I'm I'm big in Bangladesh, but no. Anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Cameron. Cameron is going to be the host for this session, and we're just going to. Break down what all went down in, in Kansas and give you guys a straight dope. So, Cameron, the floor is all yours.
2: Well, first, um, the the there's a theme to this year this this season for you. Yeah, and it, it has me super fired up to see how the progression has come. Um, it the when I um kind of met you and through Chad, mm-hmm. the pieces were being put in place back then. And so this is like the the annual data year or yeah. the redemption year, whatever you want to call it. So back in Kansas, yep, third year in a row. yep. So um, we talked previously before you came out here because I was like, Clint, I'm going to come out like November 7th, 8th, 9th. Um, you were like, I know where I need to be on November 6th and 7th. Yeah, I'm coming out, going to leave November 3rd. It'll take me a couple days to get out there. I just know where I need to be on november 6th and 7th so let's start from there your mindset going into this trip having two weeks to get it yep. done in kansas you've been here two years prior mm-hmm. and um what was your mindset going into this year like specifically why did you say november 6th or 7th is the day
1: yeah first i got a flat tire and i was afraid i wasn't going to make it <laughs> like on the way out i got a flat tire on the trailer and i was really kind of like starting to freak out a little bit like i was going to it took me a while to find a like, I had a spare, but I didn't have a spare that was worthy to go a thousand miles. Sure. So I was trying to find a tire shop. It ended up being a valve stem I needed to get replaced, and I figured that out after I put air in the tire once I changed it and stuff. But then Uh I wanted a backup, you know, and so I was trying to find someone to fix it, and I was trying to find, like, an extra, like, set of rims and set of, you know, rubbers to put on. That way I could just have, like, two extra. That way I was like, I can blow three tires. We're good. (laughs) And I'm good. (laughs) Like, on this trip, you know. Um, And so I was afraid I was going to miss that date, you know, off the rip. But it was just being out here the previous two years. So one was some Intel from a, a mutual friend of ours, Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Um, I'd had him on the podcast. He was actually just recently on, you know, prior to the airing, air, airing of this episode. Um, and I've talked to him and text him and stuff like that, just about, you know, ground hunting specifically, decoying and stuff like that. And, you know, in, in the community, like we all share information with each other to, to an extent. Right. Yep. But the common courtesy is, is you don't, you don't ask somebody like, where should I go hunt? Like you figure that shit out on your, on your own for the most part. Right. Yep. But you know, what I did ask him was just like, Hey, you know, in your experience, if I'm not going to, if, if there's like a date not to miss, like what's the date not to miss, you know? Like I know in Iowa in and around where John lives, like the the eighth was always kind of like the date that he had seen just like banana stuff. And he's killed multiple times on that specific date and stuff like that. And when I talked to Jared, he was like, whatever you do, don't miss the 6th and 7th. Yeah. You know, that was the first year Chad and I were coming out. Yep. And I forget, I wasn't even on the piece I was hunting this this week, or last year even. I was on a different piece, and, and that 6th and 7th date held true. Like, I ended up seeing, like, I think on the 6th, I saw, like, a 160 and a 140. They were, you know, 80 yards away from me. I couldn't rattle them in or whatever. I think Chad saw a couple good deer that same day. Um, and it just seemed to be like that was the action Action day, you yep. know what I mean that that time frame. <clears throat> and so, fast forward to like to last year, you know, and I've told this story multiple times with like the the big deer that I'd seen and stuff like that. But the sixth, I think it was the sixth, I saw like I saw thirty deer and probably six bucks, six <laughs> different bucks, you know. And of those six, in the bucks, same area, in the same area, I yep. did. I sat all day in a specific spot from the year prior. I hunted this piece the first year, like the last three days of the hunt, saw tons of deer, saw one sixty you know, didn't get an opportunity at it, had an opportunity at a decent buck that was probably like in the forties, you know, maybe low fifties. And once I saw that action kind of go down, I was like, when I come back, this is where I need to spend time. So last year when I came back, I spent the whole trip basically that piece. I I would hop around and I would drive and I would glass and I would get out and rattle in some drainages or some draws and stuff like that. But by and large, I knew kind of where I wanted to spend time because that old adage, like don't leave deer to find deer. Yeah. I knew where the deer were. There were tons of does. This time of year, you know, does equal bucks eventually, right? Just have to be at the right place at the right time. And the beautiful thing about being out here is you can glass and start... And It's it's easier to tell where the right place is. Yeah. Because you can visually see something getting bedded down or... There's a
2: large concentration of deer. Right.
1: Bucks just constantly are showing up into like a specific draw. You don't know where exactly in the draw, but like there's something in that draw that's happening. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, So I did that last year. And I just had a parade of deer, like, the 6th and 7th and was good, too. I think I had a an encounter with a really good deer that I, I drew on and got busted. And so, coming out this year, when you and I were talking, I was like, I got to be here the 6th and the 7th. Just because, to your point, like, the annual data, like, I'd been here two years in a row, and those dates just held true, like, bar none. And it, the 6th and the 7th somewhat depends on, like, what's the weather, what's the wind, like, because it, it's not, like you know you know as well as anybody like the rut pops off in certain spots and like you could it could be the six and you're just not in the right spot and it's banging like two draws over and you don't know
2: yeah that's the beauty of the rut you're you're either in it or you're not right um specifically on the like so we had a giant cold front hit yeah right before you got out here yeah and then it was like here we go again another november where the first week is going to be hot. Yeah. Were you deterred at all by a, a warmer November?
1: Not really. Um. I mean, I, was, I wasn't deterred. I was disappointed because I just hate hunting when it's hot. Like, yeah. I just don't like it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm just not comfortable. You know, it's like, I'd rather have cold... T- and I'm not going to lie either, man. Like, they got some rattlesnakes and shit out here. It's like, I like when it's cold. So, like, yeah. I can walk through, like... You know, waist high CRP grass, and not worry about you know stepping on a you know a rattlesnake or hearing one pop off and not know where he's at or whatever. You know, so it it's more for like that kind of stuff where I used to you know I think the cold front thing and like it's funny because Jared will talk about that right, and I've talked to him about it a little bit and actually the last time we we chatted we talked about it like not on the podcast after we hung up we talked about it a little bit and because I've grown to kind of agree with him just from hunting out here I think it's I think it's very situational I think. Out here, it getting warm is less impactful than it is, say, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, or, like, timber areas. Because I think the movement just becomes concentrated. It doesn't stop. It just becomes concentrated. And, like, if you're in the wrong piece of timber and you're in a setup, like a lot of times the type of stuff we set up in where it's, like, I might only be able to see 15 or 20 yards. Yeah. Because you're in the thick stuff to get away from pressure and stuff. Then if you're in the wrong 15 to 20-yard space that and it's warm, then you're screwed. But out here, you can see far enough to, like, even when it gets warm, the movement might be more concentrated, but you're still able to find where it, where it's at. And so, we talked a little bit about that. And so, I think, you know, I think he tentatively agreed, like, yeah, it's situational. And I think the thing out here is not so much a cold front. What I, had, what I have seen is, like, when the weather is um, seasonably average yep. is when I had seen the best movement. I've hunted days out here where it was in the negatives. I saw no deer, mm-hmm. you know, I've hunted out here when it was really, really hot, you know, in like the eighties, like I think the first year Chad and I came out, didn't really see any deer. Chad and I were also trying to figure out what we were doing out here too. Cause we didn't sure. really know a whole lot. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, you know, yesterday I had the hunt of my life essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. In the middle of the day, it was 75 degrees,
2: 75 for a high that day. Yep. Yeah. And uh, just a couple days previous, it was 30. Yeah. So, um, for me, for timing, for me, I was scared. I was worried about it. I Uh,
1: figured you probably would be.
2: I was. Uh, And so I did it in Iowa a year before, um, and I went home because it got warm because I had two weeks. I was like, I'll have a week. I'm going to go home when it's warm and I'll come back. Right. My cameras exploded regardless of the weather. It was just Mm -hmm. the dates. It was the first week of November, October 31st through November 5th. Yeah. It was just on fire. So coming out here, I was like, okay, it's Kansas. It's not Iowa. Mm-hmm. So is it going to correlate? So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to leave until Tuesday because Tuesday's 80 degrees, Wednesday's 75 degrees. I'll get out there after that. So, right. um, I'm, I was curious to see if you're, if that was going to play into your, um, strategy at all. Um, so six, November 6th mm-hmm. is the first time you laid eyes yeah. on this book. So
1: <clears throat> that morning I hunted, the draw that I wanted to hunt cause I had seen historically the past several years, like this draw, the head of this draw just kind of pop off. I, Chad and I both had glassed it and he actually glassed it once when I was hunting in a different area and he's the one who kind of told me about it. And that's why I started kind of hunting that spot. Um, cause at that, that year he'd already tagged out. Yep. And, um, and then I watched it again, you know, last year. So I knew I needed to be in that draw because there was going to be deer enough. So the first morning I was covered up first thing in the morning, you know, um, had deer all around me. That's kind of the bitch about that particular spot. Like you're going to see a lot of deer, but they're also going to come from a lot of different directions. Like there's not like cuz there's just like they bed all around you kind of, you know. It's all cover. Yeah. And um and so I didn't I didn't blow any deer out. I had one young buck um that I ended up seeing. And I decoyed him and just almost a practice cuz I was working with a decoy more this year than I had in years past. And so, I, I had glassed him, and he was working his way toward me, and I waited till he got in, like, dis, you know, eye distance, and I popped the decoy up. He walked to seven yards and just stood, and I was moving behind the decoy, like, moving it, kind of seeing what I could get away with, what I couldn't get away with, and stuff like that. And he was just, like, he finally got spooky and, like, bound to, like, 12 yards. <laughs> and it stopped, and I was like, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Like, or it looks like it's a buck, but it, it's kind of freaking me out, you know? <laughs> and so, I snort-wheezed at him because I was like, all right, and get you out of here because I don't need you here, you know, messing up my game if something else is around or whatever. And he, and he moved on out of there. And then in the afternoon, you know, that spot is usually a really, really good morning spot. And I've had good, like, mid, like, late morning to midday movement. Not stellar. The morning's always just fire. And then once you get to kind of midday, it starts to taper off. So I sat there to, like, I think uh, 11 the first day. And then I moved to the draw that were like where you were at. tonight, basically where I, I ended up hunting him, you know, on the, on, you know, the, the redemption day. Mm. And, but I went all the way back. I basically walked that whole field to get to the backside where that CRP was. So I could glass all that CRP. Cause there are a couple of like really subtle draws and mm. I knew they're bedded back there. I've just, I've glassed that CRP from roadside and from on top trying to pick something out. And for the life of me have not been able to see it. And I know they're in there, you yeah. know? And so I glassed that for probably like an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And I worked my way over to that draw where, where you were at along that fence line kind of goes out. I did a rattling sequence and I was like, man, this is a really good setup. I was like, I like this setup. And I was actually planning on maybe hunting that again. But for the afternoon, the wind was switching a little bit. So I was like, I'm going to go to the opposite side. And there's a, there's a draw over there that I hunted the year before. And I had, I, I went, I, I drew on like 140 inch, eight point, a really good buck. And there's does that bed in that cedar row mm. in it and in that draw. And so I was like, I'm going to go over there. I got the right wind for it and I can set up there and it's not a throwaway hunt. Cause there's, I've had an opportunity there, but I wouldn't say it's my highest odds hunts. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to booger up the areas that I know are really, really good. I know I could get an opportunity over here cause I have before, but the biggest thing is, is I'm not going to screw anything up like yeah. being over here. And so I went over there and the wind started switching on me Like as I sat down. I ended up moving twice, like while I was over there. And finally I ended up moving to where I was like, all right, I'm cutting the wind enough where I'm not boogering this stuff up. But I'm at I was like, I'm in a spot where I don't think shit's gonna happen. I saw a couple does, but the best part of it was is where I was set up, is I could see in glass like basically everything that was up above me where I had what stuff I had hunted before. Right. And so I sat back and I was like, Well, I'll just, you know, I'll glass for the evening and if look if a a buck pops up and i can get a shot then i'll i'll take it but if nothing else i'm just gonna watch sure and so i'm watching and like right before dark i saw a couple of does come out and i'm watching watching them you know and they're like i mean i looked at it on on the maps you know and to see how far it was and it was like you know 0.85 miles like so almost like nine tenths of a mile or whatever so it just called a mile right yeah and I'm watching, and all of a sudden, I, I looked away because I was looking glassing somewhere else, and there was, like, a doe that was, like, peckering around, like, near me, I was just watching to make sure there wasn't a buck following her, and I turned back around and look through the glass up, and all of a sudden, there was another deer, like, that was with those two does came out, and I saw, like, another one, and I was just like, holy shit, <laughs> like, I didn't even have to look for antlers or anything, I was like, that's a big freaking deer. Yeah. Again, I was all, I was almost a mile out, and I didn't have a spotter, you know, I just had my my binos, 10 by 42s so I could visibly see that that deer was like twice the size of every other deer he was with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just body-wise. Yeah. Couldn't see antlers or anything. It was kind of overcast so I couldn't see like glistening or anything like that at that point. And then, but I wasn't sure, right? I was like, they're so far away. I was like, maybe my eye, maybe it's two fawns, does, and you know what like, I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then like a three-year-old or whatever, you know what I mean? And it would look, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking, like larger. And so, I'm watching these at this point, four deer, and then that big one runs, like, kind of charges one and runs another one off. I was like, all right, those are two bucks. Those are two does. That one's huge. (laughs) I still can't see antlers or anything. All of a sudden, the clouds finally go away. The sun pops out. I still can't see how big they are, but I just saw both of them glisten that they both had a rack. So I was like, they got enough bone that through my binos a mile out, I can see that they have bone. I was like, so either one of them at that point is probably a shooter. Yeah. Right. He's, they're not a, an 80 inch. No. Buck. You know <laughs> You're what not mean?
2: seeing it from that far.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, it's was like, so either one's a shooter. I was like, that's awesome. You know? And so I watched where they came out. It was, they came from that CRP that I glassed and tried to pick apart and couldn't find anything. They came along this edge of the CRP. There's a cut bean field and then another little, like a draw. And then like a little row of CRP that they cross into like this winter wheat kind Of, like, field or whatever, and I watched where they walked out, and I was like, and he was so it's funny watching deer because you get to watch him so often, right? And the one thing I kind of learned is like the older bucks usually get the first dose like early, right? Which isn't like it, I'm not breaking news here, <laughs> yeah. right? But what I've kind of found here, and it's just because they're more visible, like, I'm sure mm. they do the same thing in PA or Ohio or whatever, but. I'll often see, like, two or three does and a buck just kind of hanging back 30, 40 yards and walking around with them, not pushing them, especially if if he's the cock of the walk and Mm -hmm. he's, like, that it's no doubt nobody's taking, like, my doe from me. Yeah. He just hangs back. He's a gentleman. He's not running her. He's not trying to cut her out. He's played the game before. He's just going to lightly kind of just make his presence known that way if other bucks, younger bucks, show up, Nah. Nah, buddy. Take a hike. Yeah. And that's what he was doing. He was just kind of like, not corralling them, but just, I'm gonna usher you ladies around. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna be your bodyguard for the next couple days until this one's hot for me to cut out and then I'm gonna do a breeder, right? The
2: way you described it was she's warm. She's warm, yeah. Yeah. She
1: wasn't ready to breed yet. She was just warm and he knew it was just a matter of a day or two, Mm -hmm. you know. Same thing I saw last year. Right. Um Yeah, same thing I saw play out last year. And so I knew I probably had like a day, two at best, before he went into lockdown with her because right around now is about when they would start to go into lockdown, at least from what my experience has been out here. And so when I saw him just gently ushering her, the other thing I've picked up on is that that doe, as long as he's not cutting her out to breed, as long as she's got like another day or so, she's going to lead him around and he's going to go wherever she wants to go. He's not dictating yet. Yep. Right. And so if she likes to bed in that CRP draw on the backside and come out to eat, like, in the evening, in this specific spot, we all know does are habitual, right? They stay in doe families. They have doe bedding areas they like to stay in and stuff like that. So if that's where she wants to be, that's where he's going to be. Mm. And when I saw them do that and just how he was acting with them, I said to myself, I'm going to kill him at that spot tomorrow. Yeah. Now, it's her
2: world. He was just living in he it. He was just living in it. Yeah. yeah. And
1: I was like, I'll kill him tomorrow whenever he, if she brings him out again. And yeah. I knew exactly where I was going to set up.
2: So the the not to say throwaway hunt or whatever actually played out to be
1: the best decision I made the whole trip. Yeah. Yeah.
2: In years prior, I know the first year was a lot of glass, a lot of glass, a lot of glass last year. Did you spend a lot of time behind the glass?
1: I did. Yeah. But it was the same type of thing where I would hunt one side, then the other and the other. And I would always kind of set up like in a kill spot, you know, but there was always like a glassing vantage point I had. that's just kind of how the way this place, this particular piece sets up. Yeah. You 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 get a lot of glassing opportunities with hunts, you know, um, but yeah, I, I glassed the fair, like the whole first day last year, cause I got here, I think like the fourth, maybe the whole first day I glassed the whole, the whole day. Um, and then I did a throwaway, not a throwaway hunt, but I hunted in a spot on, on the backside again, um, and saw a couple does, but I could also glass really well from, from there too. Sure. You know? So yeah, it's just been, it's been a lot of glassing, but the funny thing was, was after that hunt, like I was texting with you and, and Trey and. Um, you know, you guys were just, Hey, did you see anything tonight? And I said, I saw a couple does or I said, Oh yeah, I saw a couple does, or whatever, which I did. Yeah. You know, I was being truthful. I wasn't, and I told Chad this <laughs> after the fact, cause I didn't even tell him was like in the back of my mind, I didn't know if that was the same deer I had the encounter with last year or not, but it was uh, the same area. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so in the back of my mind, I had an idea that that was going to be a big deer yeah. that, I, that I saw. Yep. Yeah. Um, just body alone and knowing what I had seen in there the year prior that I was like if nobody killed him last year he's probably back yeah. you know and so I didn't want to put any more pressure on myself sure. and tell people that like yeah I'm them. on a big one I'm on a big yeah. one you yeah. know and so and I, I didn't want to put any more pressure on myself by by saying it I just wanted to be like I'm gonna go hunt my hunt without anybody else knowing like cool. what I had seen what's going on because I just don't need the extra Extra pressure. Like, sure, I don't need to like mind screw myself out of this. I know what my plan is. Yeah, and I'm. I think it's going to work. You know, um so I just didn't say anything. And then, you know, I went to bed that night thinking I was like, I was like, I'm, like I was speaking it into existence. I was like, I'm going to kill that deer tomorrow. Yeah, like, that was what I, that was what I thought. Like whenever I got home.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't even re- put that together until just now. But what did I didn't
1: say anything about it? <laughs> yeah,
2: I I didn't put that together until yeah. just now, but. Um, I think that's super smart to do that, and just because you don't have anyone else getting in your head about where was he at, what should you do this, and you're like, okay, well, now that we're talking about it, here's my plan. And I've had this happen to me. I'm yeah. like, well, here's my plan, and then maybe it's chat or something like, maybe you should look at it this way. And I change. And when you have that gut feeling that's like, this is how I kill this deer, and in a situation like you were, I you saw what he did, you don't need someone else to tell you what you saw, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The gut feeling. And this time of year, it's like, you have a very small window. Yeah. If that happens tonight, I hunted there tonight. Yeah. Didn't see a deer.
1: Yeah. It was, it was the behavior like less. So like where they came out more so how he was acting. Yeah. And that was what sold it for me. And that was like what sealed the deal to where I was like,
2: she was telling him where to go.
1: She was dictating. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you just gave me the last puzzle piece I needed, and I'm going to kill you. Was, was it.
2: the wind the same the, the so, day you glassed them to the day that you killed no, him? No, the wind
1: was better the day I glassed him. Because I had, uh, what did we have yesterday? Southwest, I think is what it was yesterday. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But up on top, up in that area, it was blowing. It was a lot more west than I would have liked. And so, knowing where they were going to come out, like I was... Like where they were ultimately, where I thought they were going to walk out, you know, and where I was set up was maybe like a seven yard gap between where I thought they would come through and where I was set up. Sure. And my wind, if they were going to use that route, was probably off of them by 15 yards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just by the angle. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like they were going to walk in. Either I was gonna get busted, because it was where I needed to be, because I couldn't shoot from anywhere else from that. Like if I got too far down into that draw, I Can't wouldn't be able to it. see. Yep. Right. If I got too far on the other side, they'd have to get all the way out of the cover for yep. me to get a shot, right? And the uh you know and so I knew I needed to kind of cut the wind like really close and it was either gonna I was either gonna get busted or or they were gonna come in with a ton of confidence and have no no clue that I was there until it was too late.
2: Yeah, and that's, like, that's... That's the, the always the key, right? And it's always
1: hard to, like, you know... That's it, the wind
2: that it works on. It's the yeah. best wind,
1: yeah. I mean, that's, like, you know, you always hear guys that say, you know, whenever, the, you know, guys that consistently kill, you know, bigger and more mature deer, it's, like, they typically kill them on winds where it's almost wrong. You yeah. You know, it's, like, you rarely see hear of a guy killing a really good deer or a mature deer on a wind that was, like, perfect for him and totally wrong for the deer. I you think it was I mean?
2: Tony Peterson that was talking about that, or someone that I was just listening to is like... I don't feel good about hunting when the wind is right. Yeah. It's like when the wind is quote unquote right, I just don't have a good feeling about it. And there's
1: a lot of stuff too, like hunting on the ground. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit you can't get away with. Right. But there is some stuff you can. Right. And so what I've learned is that like, I can actually get away with a little bit more of a wind disadvantage on the ground because they got to get pretty close to me. To actually to catch it, yeah, like because it's gonna like I'll drop milkweed and it just like goes five yards and hits the ground. Now it's gonna spread, but they're probably not gonna win me from fifty yards away or forty yards away. Right, right now here in the open country, if you have nothing but air and opportunity between you and a deer and you're a good archer, you can take that forty yard shot. Yeah, you know what I mean, and you're not gonna get busted, right? Yep. And so, you know, you can get away with a little bit more at times. You know, in in certain aspects with sound, especially when you got wind with cover sound you can move a lot more freely and stuff like that the only thing is is like when you're on the ground and they see everything you know yeah. what i mean like because they don't see well but they see movement really well right and it's just like the smallest of things you know will, will blow up your spot but it's, it's a give and take and
2: your vision is so impaired on the oh, ground yeah like that spot that you were sitting when you killed him i'm sitting there like man he had to be on top of you mm-hmm. when you realized that he was there yeah is that what happened the doe was on top of me.
1: Yeah. Like the doe came out first and she was at like seven yards <laughs> like beside me, you know. To and the I, north? Uh yeah, to the north. Yeah. And like I saw her like when she was right beside me. Like I never heard her. You know what I mean? And then I kind of got a peek behind me, I saw another doe, right? And I was like I was like, damn, I was like, I thought maybe that'd be a buck, you know. And so then I tried to get an, another peek and that was when I saw him. And when I first saw him, he was at um He's probably like 50 yards. So she was moving west to east? Yes, she was moving west to east. So So she she had a tailwind. No, 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 no. No, no, no. She was moving from behind me in, right? So it was southwest. Oh, no, wait. North. No, we had a south. East yesterday. Okay, I didn't yeah. get out of the truck. Yesterday, Sorry, yeah, yeah. So I never even looked. Oh my bad. We had a southeast yesterday because okay. it, it would have been blown if you were st- sitting looking at that the the draw that I've hunted and like looking at it, yep. it would have been blown across your face. Okay, this that makes this, more coming sense. from your left to your to your right, but not real hard.
2: But she was okay. just quartering into the wind. Yes. Okay, that makes way Quarter, more sense.
1: quartering into the wind. Sorry, I got my directions mixed up there. Um, but yes, yeah, I saw her first, and she was right basically right beside and you know, on top of me. And he was at like 50 yards whenever I first saw him, you know, in, in, in the open, like in the <laughs> wide open, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, and it was, you know, a little bit shit your pants moment at that point.
2: Yeah. So walk us through that, that moment, everything that went down. I mean, that's uh, I mean, we haven't talked about the size of the deer yet really, but when yeah. you're in that moment, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has gone into this point right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um like I always say, man, it's like I've never been I've never been great at anything necessarily, right? And so, um anything I've ever been like good at or decent at, it's like I've had to just like be persistent and and work harder than the next guy or whatever. That's just like the way it's been. Like whether it was athletics, whether it was music or you know, jujitsu, it's just like I spent a lot of time doing it. You know, it's the only way I get that I get good at stuff. And this was no, this was really kind of no different, you know. And as I was kind of walking in for that hunt, I was just kind of, I wasn't like trying to psych myself up necessarily, but I walked in, you know, (laughs) did this in Montana, you know, and I don't do this very often because I usually like take more gear than I really need. But I got out of the truck and I was getting my pack together and I was like, F this. I was like, I'm not taking a pack. I threw all my shit back in the truck. I grabbed my bow. A set of rattling antlers and I stuffed down the back of my pants and grabbed my decoy and that was it. Yep. And I was going in, you know, eight. and I was like, you know, I, I don't need any more than this, any more than this. I'm going to have too much shit around me and I need to be able to, I need to be able to move. Mm-hmm. You know, if I need to move, I can't be like stumbling over stuff and, and things like that. And so, you know, walking into it, it was, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, I just felt like it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you get like these premonitions where you're just like, this is the day, you know? Now I'd be lying if I felt that way the whole time I was sitting there. Because I'm sitting there, I'm not seeing a stinking deer at 75 degrees. I'm actually, it's not the first spot I set up. I set up a little further closer to that fence row. Oh, okay. For like about 30 minutes. And I was like, because I wanted the wind to cut harder. Sure. Right? And I was like, man, if they come out further to my you know, a little further to the, uh, to the West, you know, like, you know, where basically where you park, you're like out that direction. I was like, I'm, I may not see them. I was like, or I certainly it, I'm not going to get a shot. You know, I was like, I need to be further up. And so after like sitting there for like 30, 45 minutes, I picked up all my crap and moved to ultimately where I ended up, ended up sitting up in that spot. I didn't like it first, because, like, the sun was directly overhead and, like, pounding on me. Mm. And I was, like, man, I am just, like, lit Exposed. up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. You, know? you know what I mean? But I was telling myself, I was, like, look, they didn't come out to, like, 15 minutes before, like, last light. So, like, you know, last light was, like, five, or not last light, but, like, sunset was 530. But, yeah, 530, yep. You know, I was, like, they didn't come out to, like, 515 is when I got a visual on them. I was, like... If they follow the script, I was like, it won't matter because that sun's going to start peeking down behind. You'll have shadows. The line. I'll have shadow then. Right. And so I was just like, bacon, just like, you know <laughs> what I mean? I was like, I'm just going to stick it out. You know what I mean? I was like, cause this is where I need to be. And, um, and yeah. And then I don't know where, where you want to go from here. I kind of got off on a tangent. There.
2: So when you were set up, you're anticipating them coming from the West. Mm-hmm. I sat there tonight, so I know exactly what it looks like. And I was trying to play this in my head while I was sitting there. Mm-hmm. Were you facing the um the cut field, or were you facing the CRP?
1: I was kind of like, so if that cedar tree is right here, that small cedar, yep. I was almost looking directly at it, so I could okay. look to my left and see like the CRP that was back there, and then that cut bean field that was was back there, all yep. through that you know the back side of that CRP. And I could see anything that was gonna potentially maybe pop up out of this out of the, draw, other draw. You know what I mean? So I was kinda sitting there like that, because I didn't think anything was gonna come from like behind me. Yeah. You know? And so I wanted to make sure I could see, but like I got caught with my pants down when that dough came because I turned like this way a little bit and was like glassing over this way, you know. And I was actually glassing the opposite side. Ah. Uh, you know? And so I got kinda got caught, you know, which was stupid because it's like, you know. It's it you know it's freaking showtime. You knew they were going to come. Yeah, if they were going to come, it was going to be at that time. You know what I mean? And I'm like glassing the opposite side, going like, "What are we doing deer over there?" You know, (laughs) like so. But yeah, that was that was how I was set up in there. Yeah,
2: I was trying to play that through my head because I sat knowing what I know, knew from your hunt. I turned the, I put my back to the cedar. Yeah. So like, this is like a wide open. I don't call it a winter wheat field food plot, whatever you want to call it. I was like, I don't really anticipate. Any movement coming out of here, Clint sat here. Nothing came from behind him. It all mm-hmm. was coming from the west. So they come out of that CRP and they're gonna feed their way mm-hmm. past you. Yeah, and then it gets a little western.
1: Yeah, yeah. So well, I guess we should also say like everything we're hunting out here is all all weehaw is all yeah, yeah, is yeah. all walk in yeah. access yeah. stuff that anybody can go hunt. And there's other guys that are hunting this piece that we've you know seen trucks and stuff like that. And so you know. Park there and i've watched them walk in and watched their headlamps come in and stuff in the morning because so it's a weird thing out here like guys don't get in until like almost like as the day to, like daylight is breaking light, yeah you know and i've done that in the past if i don't want to bump deer but if i know where i'm going and I know how to get in and out
0: i'll get set up i still go
1: in and get set up in the dark um but uh yeah so i'm set up there how we were talking about kind of facing to where i could kind of look both ways and i get turned to turn the one direction with my back toward where I thought they were going to kind of come from because I was, I was glassing. And that's when that doe slipped out. And she slipped out to like, you know, like I said, like seven yards. And she's like, now if I'm sitting here, she's like right out here, like off to my left, like caddy corner at seven yards. And I'm just watching her. <laughs> and I heard something behind me, you know, and I kind of like side-eyed a little bit and I saw a second doe. And I was like, and in my mind, I'm, I wasn't even thinking that he was in the equation yet. You know, like I was like, Damn, I was like, I was really hoping that was a buck. because like, cause I really don't want four a eyes. A bunch of deer, yeah, yeah. Like hanging around me. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not what I'm, what I need, you know? And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, I'm like, I need to look. Cause I was like, he was with two does, two does, like the day before. And I was like, this might be them, you know? And so I'm trying to slowly turn, slowly turn, slowly turn. And of course, you know, it's a warm front, you know? And so the wind is like, six mile per hour at best if you're getting wind. So yeah. it's not like enough to get cover sound and everything is crunchy. In locust here. It's tree? Like, yeah, I'm sitting underneath a locust tree, you know, with, you know, basically the, um, cedar in front of me and a locust tree kind of behind me and so everything's crunchy. And So I'm trying to turn, not make any noise and she can't, like, see me but she sees something move, and so she just stops and she does it like, pops the head up. I'm like, and about that same time I got far enough to where I could side eye and I saw him. And I was like, oh my God, don't, don't blow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, you've got a giant behind you at like 50 yards and he's coming, you know, at this point I can see he's making his way to me. He's not, like I said before, he's not pushing them. He's just with them, following, mm-hmm. hanging out along for the ride. And I'm like, oh, do not blow. And so she now starts like peckerhead, you know, that other doe now is behind her. Is like, what's up? She doesn't see me. She has no clue what's going on, but she, she knows she's alert. Yeah. yeah. And so she kind of turns around and goes behind me and then, like, and walks down that fence line that's right behind me. And I had ranged that fence line when I sat down. I was like, it's like 27 yards in between the first two poles. You know, when I say fence line, it's like an old cattle fence line that has no barbed wire or anything like anymore. Just yeah. just posts, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like old gray, you know, beat up posts. And I ranged in between the two of them. It was 27 yards The one to the left was 30 yards and I think the one to the right was 29 so it was like 27 like right in the middle right Um, if a deer got to to, to the middle of it and so she starts looping around me and I'm like do not run back down over the backside to the CRP because if you do he's going with you and I've got no chance I mean my last ditch effort was going to be throw the decoy up snort wheeze you know and see if I can't grab his attention but we all know how that probably would have ended you know (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so she gets like that kind of behind me and then she cuts down that fence row. And then that's where my wind is. Yeah. She was trying to get you. Yeah. So she went behind me, but she, she got behind me and didn't run. She didn't stop to check my wind either. She just got behind me. She wanted to get down into that draw into cover. And so she just like. Booked it, didn't like run, like, oh, I'm scared, you know, like I'm freaking out, like blowing, jumping, whatever. It was just a trot. Like, I'm getting to where I want to go. And he was like, Hmm. I'm now turned all the way around. Right. And I see him like full on. And he's at like probably 35 yards. I don't have a shot. Right. Cause he's, if like when you sat in there, there was two lows locust branches that you couldn't stand up to shoot. You had to shoot from your knees. It was the only way to take the shot.
2: You had to kind of crunch, yeah.
1: And there was a locust tree here like in front of you as well and that cedar tree was right here in front of you and that locust tree was just like, uh, that. second locust tree was just off to the left of that cedar tree as you're looking at it with branches and shit. So there was no shot there. The only shot was for him to follow them, go down that fence row and I'd have to pop up on my knees which I was already up on my knees ready to draw and once his head got behind like those branches, that was the time to draw, right? So I'm watching him. He just stopped standing because like, he's looking in like where I'm at. Cause he's like, what did they see? What's yeah. going on in there? Yeah. Like, that's what they were looking at. Like, and he's just staring at me and I know he can't see me and I'm not moving a muscle. And I'm in a, I'm in a ghillie jacket. Like I'm blended in. You can't see like a human outline or anything like that. He licks his lips a couple of times and like postures his head up, Like he doesn't looking for a fight or anything like that. But he's just like, huh, what's going on? Then he starts walking to follow them down the fence around. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's going to give me a shot at 27 yards. I have a 26 and a half yard pin, like single pin. So as soon as his head got behind the, as soon as his head got behind that tree, I drew back. He never heard, never saw me draw. He got to the marker that I had that I knew was 27 yards. I hit him. Also the same time he hit my scent, my scent cone. That was right where my scent was dropping. And it was crazy. Like I noticed that as I was, Like, as I was at full draw waiting for him to stop, he stopped and snapped his head and looked at me, and you could tell he heard me, and he smelled me at the same time, and was like, shit. Damn it. it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and as soon as he stopped, and the crazy thing was, man, is like, I didn't, I've taken enough shots, you know, at, at deer and stuff in the past that, like, there's times where I like, blank, go blank, you know, everything goes autopilot, right? And this one was, like, one of those ones where it's, like, I remember everything. Like, because when I first saw him at, like, 50 yards and that doe was there, like, I started getting, like, the the buck fever, the shakes. You know go, what I mean? Yeah. I was, like, you know, my I don't remember if I was shaking, but my heart rate got up and I was having a hard time catching my breath. And I was, like, oh, my God.
2: You started to it. panic a little bit.
1: Yeah, because I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. And I was just, like, I just, I don't know. It was just, like, I kind of just told myself, I was, like, dude. Relax. Be patient. Yep. Let it play out. Make decisions based off of what they're doing, not what you want to happen, you know? And as soon as I did that, I don't know what happened, but like I just got super calm. And like, I don't know, people will call it kill mode or whatever. I don't really subscribe to that. <laughs> it was more that I was just like, I just grabbed a hold of my emotions. You're present. You know? I, yeah. I was just in that moment. I was like, I'm going to live this. This is going to be fucking awesome. Like, no matter how it plays out, this is gonna be awesome, mm-hmm. you know. And and then from there, it's like I remember everything that happened, every decision I made. I knew when I was gonna draw, I drew, I stopped him. I didn't like stop him and just like rip it real quick. I stopped him. He was quartering kind of to me a little bit when he stopped. So when he stopped, he kinda of, like turned real hard, you know, whenever I, you know, mouthbeated him. And he got he and he got, got my your, win and yeah. he like turned a little bit. And so I floated the pin and and it's so crazy how you make these split second decisions you know and i was like i was going to try to shoot center mass but i was like i feel like i'm going to have a a marginal shot if i do that cuz he's turned a little more than i thought so i ended up putting it on the inside of his left front shoulder so in the pocket basically between his neck and his front shoulder blade yeah and i held it there and i just let the pin float and ripped it off and bam it hit him he jumped and spun and he took like a bound and like fell on his face and then he jumped up and and took like two or three bounds and then fell on his face again. And then he took like two more bounds and like jumped into the CRP and then I didn't see him anymore. And so when he wheeled and jumped, he went back out into this cut bean field. Right. And that was, and he circled kind of around and this all happened within like 40 yards. Like he wasn't ever, he, he was at 27 yards and the last time I saw him, he was about 40 yards. Yep. And so I'm standing there and that's the first time it really registered like I mean when I saw him at 50 yards at first I was like I just told myself I was like that's a shooter. I didn't like try to score him or anything like that. I was like that's a shooter. So I immediately made up my mind I was shooting him if I got the opportunity. And so I wasn't like oh he's this or he he's that or whatever. And so whenever he wheeled and and left I basically just that was the first time I thought about like what you just did. That I was like <laughs> I, I and I still didn't know how big he was, really. You know what I mean? I was just like, man, that was a. I was like, man, that was a big freaking deer. Yeah. You know, big. I was like, by far the biggest deer I'd ever shot, regardless, yep. like of what he would end up scoring and stuff like that. And, you know, I didn't like lose it. There wasn't like an adrenaline dump. I was still like the weirdest thing. I was still like super present, but I was like, I was like that was crazy. And so I sat there for like ten minutes and waited. Was calm, like which was like. Bananas. Yeah. So this was at like five fifteen ish, right? I know I've got like, you know, or five twenty or whatever. I don't have much daylight, so I waited ten minutes, right? So now it's called. It's like five thirty or just a little after five thirty. Yeah, about twenty minutes left. Yeah. And so I'm like, he jumped into the CRP. That's a quagmire. I was like, if he gets in there, I'm never going to see blood. I'm going to have to get a dog. I was like, I need to at least find the arrow, and see how the blood was because i started getting concerned whenever he was falling because i thought i was like i thought my shot placement was good but in the back of your mind you doubt right i was like man did i hit him alone break his leg you know what i mean and he's just like flailing because he has like half a leg now you know and that was what i thought and i was just like started getting that like sick feeling where it's like one i don't want a deer that's that awesome of an animal to like to wound him like that to where he's going to end up getting killed by coyotes or something like that. And I'm never going to find him, yep. you know, and, and whatever. Second part was, was like, I've worked three damn years of figuring this area out and doing it solely on the ground because that's a goal I've had for myself was to kill one off the ground, you know, at close distance. And I'm going to have screwed this up on that, on this caliber. That moment
2: deer. of truth. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, um, so I couldn't find the arrow. You know, and I was like, which wasn't shocking because there's just it's just CRP everywhere, and I don't have lighted knocks or anything like that. And so, I was like, well, and I couldn't find really any because It's just CRP and just bullshit, right? So I was like, well, he was falling down. I was like, I'm gonna be able to see where he fell and scuff the ground because it's it's just you know the dirt is so loose around here. It's dry. Just like, yeah, yeah. It'll look like a linebacker tackled a quarterback. <laughs> you know, it'd just be all scuffed up. So I went out there and started looking. I was like, blood, blood, blood. But I still couldn't tell what type of blood it was because it hit that dry powdery dirt and just looks dark and it's, it just yeah. coagulated right away. It just yeah. looked like like blood mud yeah. is what it looked like. And so, and I, I was told myself, "I was like, I'm not going to follow him into the CRP because if he went in there and he's going to lay down and die, I'm just going to let him there, right? But I'll I want to go over to the edge so I can mark where he went into the CRP. I got to the edge of the CRP. And he jumped up, he was maybe five feet into the CRP and he jumped up, like took like two or three bounds, got like 20 yards and fell. Right. And I'm like, he's hurt bad. I was like, he gets into the CRP. I'm never going to find him. It's going to be a nightmare. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to walk him down and kill him. (laughs) I was like, if I have to, I'll run. (laughs) Yeah. And so I get in there and I walk toward him. He bounds like two more times. I get to like 10 yards. He lays down. I knock an arrow, let it rip. I couldn't hardly see his tor- I could see his head so I could tell about where his body was at. I shot over his back. He jumps up, takes two more bounds and lays back down. I got I walked him down to 7 yards and put one in his last rib and he was quartering away put from it up me through. and put it up through him into his into his lungs and into his diaphragm and then I watched him expire. And then so that was just like a complete rodeo because I literally <laughs> yeah. walked a, a deer down and killed it like like a wolf. You know what I mean? Where it's like I mean, not to jump too far ahead, the moral of the story was like whenever I got him butchered and stuff, I found the arrow. It I hit him in the that left front shoulder in that pocket. It broke the shoulder blade, went through, and came out the opposite shoulder. Yeah. Um, it just didn't make it through the the hide. The hide. Yeah. It was all the way through when the when the taxidermist caped it out, like the arrow was right there, like the bride was right there. He's like, Oh, here's your arrow. And he broke it off basically at the insert, like the the tube insert, right? That's yep. in it. Um, and then the rest of the shaft must've fell out when he wheeled and whatever. And I just never, I just never found it, but it was buried almost complete pass through, but it went through two shoulders to
2: pretty, yeah, pretty awesome shot.
1: Yeah. And then the last shot, you know, it broke ribs and, and whatever. Um, you know, I do have that piece of arrow, broken arrow in the truck.
2: That's the, the arrow that the PA buck was. I've killed three
1: deer with that arrow, a doe last year, the PA buck and the, in this Kansas buck with that arrow, and that broadhead killed my PA buck and my Kansas buck. That's sweet. Yeah, so I'm putting that broadhead on another arrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um So that's when it kind of set in, like, I text Chad. I was like, I just killed a hammer. You know, I still don't know where he, how big he is. I mean, I, I, I'm standing next to him, you know, and so I kind of, I know he's big, but I don't know, like, how big. You yeah. Know, he's laying in CRP. I ended up getting him, dragging him out of the CRP just because, like, I, he wasn't that far in there, but, like, I took my bow and laid it in the field, marked that so I knew where it was at, went back in to get the deer. It took me 10 minutes to circle around and find the deer, even though I dropped the pin on him because it's so thick in there, like, to try to find... Now it's dark, too. Yeah. I was like, I ain't doing this in the dark. So I drug him, whatever, it was like 40 yards out of the CRP to that cut field so it would be easier for us to find him than, you know, you and, and Trey and Lucas came to help me get him out. But, you know... I text you. I was like, I just shot a shot. A, I don't even remember what I text you, I think I, I think I just shot a hammer or a giant or. He something.
2: said hit a hammer. Not sure of the shot.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then the next
2: text was giant down.
1: Giant down. Yeah. And then, then you called me and you're like, what is he? I'm like, I don't know. He's, he's a six by five. He, he might be hundred and forty inches. He might be a, boon- a booner. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I was losing my mind at that moment. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you guys all get there, and like I heard, I immediately start hearing like Yotes yipping. Oh yeah. And I usually yeah. carry like a handgun with me for nothing else. Like whenever I'm out here, is it, more like for exactly what I what happened. Like if I'm if I got a, a buck down, got to leave I, it. I got to leave it. Or if yachts start coming around i'm just gonna i'm gonna shoot the yotes you yeah. know what i mean like all there is to it you know um, or just fire off around to scare them or whatever you know it's like it, it more like coyote deterrence so they don't chew my my deer up is all i'm trying to do so i text you i was like let me know when you're 10 minutes out because i'm going to stand yote patrol until like you get here and then i'll come out and meet you because again i don't have a kill kit or anything with me yeah i left everything at the truck and you were like i'm 10 minutes out so i went back to the truck i text my dad Called my dad while I'm standing over that deer. I took a picture of him, like, while I was laying in the CRP before I drug him out. And, like, I didn't get, I mean, I got a little emotional. I didn't, like, start crying or anything like that. But I was just, like, I started laughing uncontrollably because I could not believe what I just (laughs) did, you know. And my dad's text back to me was just, like, you got him. And Chad was, Chad was at basketball practice because he has his kid's basketball. So he didn't text back right away. And I knew, you know, he would text later on. And so I come back and meet you. And you're like, and I would sent you a picture at that point of, like, him laying in the CRP, and you guys were like, hell yeah, you know. And you're like, dude, he's a stud, you know. I still, like, none of us really know how big he is yet, you know. I mean, I had seen him, but, like, I don't know, I'm still, like, bewildered. I'm like, I don't know, he's 140 inches, he could be a Boone and Crockett deer, <laughs> I don't know, you know. And so, you know, Lucas and, and Trey all get here at the same time, like, a couple minutes after you did, and, which was nice, so we could all walk out together. And we're just kind of talking, and I'm walking you guys through the hunt and how it all went. And uh, we get out there, and you guys are just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I saw, like, the way he was laying
2: there, and it was someone's headlamp hit an antler. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, the picture you sent uh-huh. and seeing that deer, I was like, whoa. Yeah. That deer is gigantic. Yeah. He was way bigger than I anticipated from the picture. The yeah. picture you sent was like, sweet deer. He's got a a flyer off those G2. He's got split G2 on his his
1: left side, yeah. Man,
2: what a cool buck. You know, I'm thinking 150. Right. And then
1: I get up to it, and I was like,
2: holy crap. Yeah. I mean, he was just, he had everything. Everything that you could ask Super
1: symmetrical, too. Like, just a clean mainframe 10. Um. Split G two on his left side. Great brow tines. Great brow tines. Ha, holds his mass all the way out. The left side was had a little bit more mass than the right, and his right side had a little bit more length than his left. Yep. But otherwise, like super symmetrical. And then I took him to the taxidermist today to get him caped out, and took him to the locker plant. Um, you know, to have them meat kind of packed and stuff like that. I got a freezer in the trailer, which is on right now, freezing down, so I can take the meat home. Um, and then I took it to a local taxidermist because I was like the guy's really good. Like I saw a bunch of pictures like from the, the locker plant, the people who own the locker plant, like they showed me a bunch of taxidermy. He's done for them. And so I, he was only like a mile away and I went out to him and he knows how to do Kansas bucks. You know, and that's like one of the things I like about trying to get a deer mounted from the place you killed him like sure. from a local. Yeah. And he's yeah. been here like all of his life. Yeah. I think it's, I'll mention it some, like in like some form or fashion during this, this podcast. Um, I think it's his last name. um, does awesome work. And so I want, it's cool. I could take it to a local guy. So he was caping it out. And what he does is he's like, you know, if you have time to hang out, he's like, you can watch me cape him. He's like, and I'll, I'll tooth age him for you. Like on the spot. He's like, and we'll get you a gross measurement. And I was like, I ain't got anything to do today. I'm hanging out with my buck. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like I just, I don't know how many times I walked outside last night and just looked at him in my truck. You know what I mean? It was just like, I can't believe I did that. You yeah. Know? And so he ended up measuring him. Um and he ended up gross scoring 172 and 1-8. One
2: Unbelievable. So
1: Boone and Crockett, Kansas public land, you know, walk-in access, Kansas public land,
2: Boone On and Crockett ground.
1: deer from, from the ground in a ghillie jacket. Yeah. That I called my shot before I came out here. I was like, it's either going to be the 6th or the 7th. I told Chad that before I got here. I didn't tell anybody else. Before I left, because I came out to the ex's headquarters and s- spent the day there working the day before I made the rest of the way out. And I told Chad, I was like, I really think I'm going to have an opportunity to kill, like, in the first two days.
2: Yeah. And you kept saying, like, I, I was like, what's your plan? You're like, I know where I need to be the six oh seven. That's all he said. He's yeah. like, after that, I'm just going to, it's going to I change. didn't have
1: much of a plan for after that. Yeah. I, it was going to be flying by the seat of my pants at that point. I mean, yeah. I knew some spots I would probably go to, you know, some stuff I've checked out in the past and stuff like that. Um, But I was also going to make a trek. Like a whole different area for part of it. I was probably always going to make my way back here at some point. Keep checking on it. Yeah, yeah, because like the last time, the first time I hunted here, it really popped off like around like the eleventh, twelfth. Well, after Chad killed on the eleventh, so it would have been like the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. Like it really fired back up. Yeah, like and was really really good. And so I knew that like the later part of the second week, like I'd probably make my way back here because it should be popping off again. Yeah. So that was kind of my my game plan, but yeah, you know, I was, I was thinking, man, like I've done this podcast for a long time and I've had so many guys on that. Like I wrote the headline for like the podcast that was like public land booner. Yeah. You know, public land booner, this, or, you know, uh, public land monarch, you know, from the ground or whatever. Just think, right. Uh, three years ago. Yeah. With Chad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I never thought that, that I would do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just never thought that. I, I thought you know I I'd maybe kill a good deer or whatever, Um, but to kill a public land Boone and Crockett deer from the ground—I mean, I don't know. What else could you ask for, really? Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's this like, is what what you live for. Yeah, it's you know, and and it's just hunting, like watching a big deer like that and hunting him and then ultimately killing him. Like, it's not like it unlocks anything, but, like, you start to get a different appreciation for why they're hard to kill. Yeah. Because he, he made one, he only made one mistake. Mm. That was it. it. It was letting me see him.
2: One, it was, the yeah. One time. It, it was, it's like, they just get, they're so much more susceptible this time of year because yeah. where that doe was going, he had to make sure. Yeah. He had to, like, she in a different time of year, say that happened in September right. or let's say that happened like the first week of October. Yeah. That doe acts like that. He probably turns around. Oh yeah. He probably leaves. Yeah. He's probably like, she's a little weary. Something's going up there. Yep. I'm going to go a different way. Yeah. Cause I, I've seen that happen. Yeah. hundred percent. So like there's, they kind of let the does be the Guinea pig. Yep. And the does will go through Mm -hmm. and like, or even
1: younger bucks when they're bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've seen, it's a
2: safety barrier. Yeah. But this time of year, man, it's like you found where he was in the right mood Mm -hmm. on that day, that window where it was like,
1: and it was historical data again. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, playing the long game. We Every... talked a lot about that, like whether and like people think about that in terms of like using trail camera data, and I do do that a lot, and I've talked about it a ton, and you know, in PA and and stuff like that. But there's another part of it too, is like when you start to learn an area and how the deer want to use an area and like what dates matter and stuff like that. Like I always say, like I'm not smart enough to like, you know, you know, do what you know the Andy Mays of the world do. Like I'm not that good, you know. And so how I stack the odds is I find dates that just, like, are not disputable, that these types of things are going to happen in this general area. I just need to make sure I'm there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I could be 50 yards out of the game or I could be right in it. You know what I mean? And that goes for October or November or whatever it is. And and that's just what I found that I'm most effective, especially whenever I'm on limited time. Like, I'm going to prioritize dates over everything else. And I'm not chasing a specific buck. Yeah, that different, helps a lot, too. Different game. I'm yeah. just looking for a good buck to kill, Yeah, you know? Um, That's the beauty of all this,
2: too, is, like, that deer could have been 130 inches.
1: I would have shot him. would yeah. mattered. It yeah.
2: doesn't matter. Yeah, I ha- yeah it, it's like, and then you walk up to it. Dude, I was so happy for you. <laughs> Thanks, I man. was so, like, there was, um... You had a, you had a little bit of a, a struggle. Mm-hmm. You, like, there yeah. was a point where you're... I mean, I could just feel where you were at because I'm there right now. Yeah. But, so, Iowa missed mm-hmm. a couple times. Finally got it done.
1: Yeah. Which, But you but still, still didn't have. make the miss any better because the deer that I missed was was a hammer. Right. You
2: know. Missouri hit one. hmm th- Don't recover it. Yeah. So, you're going into these scenarios where you're like, man, like. Drew I'm
1: multiple times, three years in a row. Here, like Or two years in a row here where I was at full draw on a deer got winded by a deer like f- screwed up on a draw on a deer the a ton deer, of bad the deer i saw last year on the last day well on the second day and then the last day where i had the close encounter like i have a better appreciation for how big that that is now <laughs> yeah because like knowing that the deer i killed was you know 172 inches the deer i was on last year was 80s to 90s yeah because he was he was trashy. Significantly, he had trash all over, and he was significantly bigger than the one I killed. Yeah, like so, like he was, like, I love the deer I killed. I ain't gonna like look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like, but like that deer from last year was like just on another level. Like, that's the upper echelon. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like you know you're Don Higgins when you start killing those. Yeah, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: So speaking of Don Higgins, November seventh, mm-hmm. historically more Boone and Crockett deer have been killed on November 7th than any date ever. Wow,
1: I didn't know that. It's crazy.
2: November 7th is the number one date for Boone and Crockett entry, so you added to that statistic. Mm -hmm. Um, And one more thing that I wanted to bring up was the, um, we talked about it a few times, like, you being present in that moment. So it was something that I was like, um, it has to be a relation to the... Uh, regardless if it's jujitsu for this, um, for the sake of this conversation, yeah. but you're putting yourself through hard shit. You're yeah. doing hard things yeah. constantly. And when you were describing how the hunt went down and what you were doing, you were telling me like the deer looked at me, the deer mm-hmm. did this, yeah. I did this. So you like I, the whole time I was thinking to myself, I would not have been able to tell you, what the deer was doing when I mm. shot it. I would have been like, I don't know, man. I hit it and I blacked out. I right. lost it. I'd just lose control. And you were so present. I was like, this has to be a direct relation to the training.
1: Yeah. Even the choice, even like the decision to try to walk him down and kill him. Yes. Like yep. that was like, it was just like in that sp- split second, like I was thinking clearly and I was like, and there wasn't a doubt in my mind that I was going to do it. I was just like, I'm going to walk him down and kill him. Yep. Like I'm going to finish it, you know? Um, now chances are after looking at the ta- or after looking at like where the arrow was and stuff like that, he, if I would have their will to live is unreal, you know, like,
2: especially now,
1: yeah, five, Adrenaline. five more minutes. Like he was just going to lay down and die. Like where I, where I first jumped him up, you know, um,
2: cut the top of his heart
1: off. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, but the jujitsu piece, so it's funny, like I don't often read comments, right? Um. actually never I never read comments that people shouldn't like it's bad for your health <laughs> but you know, you know sometimes like if you listen to the show long enough it's like I'll do a giveaway and it's like you know comment you know or leave a review or a rating or whatever the case is and so I have to go in to look that way I can pick the person randomly who's going to win whatever the entry was I don't know the guy's name but he made a comment that shit usually doesn't bother me but he it said something to the effect of you know on this podcast, I talk about things that I like, things that I love, right? Yeah. And those two things happen to be chasing whitetails with a bow and peppered in with a little bit of jiu-jitsu because I truly think that it helps me, not just in bow hunting, but in life in general, it yeah. helps me. And so I introduced that, right? I try not to be too heavy-handed with it and stuff like that, but it's a part of my life, you know, a significant part of my life. And the guy basically said he was didn't want to hear all the jiu-jitsu bullshit And that maybe if I spent less time on the mats and more time in the woods, I would kill more deer. Yeah. Right. And so if you're listening to this, I would like to give you a, I don't do this often, but a heartfelt, (laughs) fuck um, I just killed 172 inch deer from the ground on public land.
2: Two weeks, three weeks after you just did it in PA.
1: Yeah. And so this was kind of my redemption year. And so that one comment kind of stuck in my crawl and it was the, a lot of the training that I do in jujitsu being present under stress. That's what that does to you. Like, and if you've ever hunted bow hunted, you don't have, it doesn't have to be a Boone and Crockett deer. It can be a hundred inch deer in in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter. They're all stressful moments whenever you're going to release an arrow and take an animal's life, you know? And so it, it doesn't just pertain to big deer or, or, or whatever the case is. It's just managing these high-stress moments, being present so you can make good decisions. That's what jiu-jitsu is at, at its like core. Yep. You're under duress that someone is imposing their will on you, and you're having to stay present and stay calm and problem-solve. Yep. It's physical problem-solving or physical 3D chess with dire consequences. Bow hunting is physical 3D chess in the three-dimensional world, with dire consequences for one of, the, of one of the actors. Yeah. Right? It's not as different as people want to make it to be. If I can make decisions four days a week, eight hours a week, in a gym with someone trying to strangle me or dislocate a joint, right? When I get into a stressful situation with a big animal, it makes—it's not exactly the same, but it makes managing the feeling the same.
2: Oh, yeah. Because, I mean— Let's be honest. Everyone listening to this knows it's been there that moment. It's not life or death, but it feels like, it. right. It feels like totally this is, does. this is my one shot. This is what, this is like my passion is what I live for. This is what I practice with for all my life. I spent all this money for this moment right here. And it's so easy to just like let all of that take over. And then you don't even concentrate. and f- Then it's gone. Yeah. And then you missed it. And you're like, Oh my God. And then you're on the other end of that, yeah. Or you're on the end of that that you were in an Iowa or Missouri or Kansas the last couple of years, right? And that's a shitty feeling,
1: yeah. And for people listening, sorry about the potty mouth, but that one comment annoyed me. And it wasn't so much me, like that it's directed toward me per se. It's more so that that someone thinks that they have the, you know, the the right or whatever, just because they have an opinion that everybody should hear it, you know? Um, it's for the people who don't, don't don't have the ability to say something back that get shit-talked po- shit on social media for killing this deer and it's not big enough or it's not that enough or whatever, you know? It's just like, that stuff drives me crazy, and so I just wanted to take this one opportunity. I'll never do it again. I'll never bring up someone's comment again, ever. But it was just, you know... If you don't have if you're not going to be a positive light in people's lives, then just don't turn your light on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I, I saw the I saw it. Yeah, yeah, review. you saw it. Yeah. I saw the review. And I took it like, so I'm a content creator. Yeah. We're doing this for free.
1: Yeah, you you're ain't getting, paying. You ain't paying, man. You're yeah. getting free. Just turn it off. <laughs> and you're trying
2: to help. You're yeah. you're putting content out that him as a listener can benefit from. Yeah. He could take the stuff that you're talking about and apply it and well
1: yeah learn and be like okay this is positive stuff like 99.9% of the people who listen to this you know listen to this show i honestly feel want to get better at something that's whether why they tune in whether it's deer hunting or whether it's something something else they have an aspiration to better to be the, a better version of themselves than they were yesterday and that's what i'm after you know and bow hunting is a piece of it right jiu-jitsu is a piece of it being a husband is a piece of it being a dad is a piece of it right and so you know i'm not going to remove a part of myself when this whole when all this stuff helps me be the best version of me you know and i hope that people listen to you know to the show and you know they get to take some bow hunting tips tricks and hacks and stuff with them and it helps them be a better version of themselves in that regard and if they can take something from the other stuff that i have going on that i that i share you know and that can help them in some way shape, or form. And that's awesome. You know, and that's, that's really what the, sh- the show is. And I just want to say thanks to everyone who listens to the show, all the people who text me after, you know, after this hunt and, uh, with congratulations and just, you know, our community is pretty awesome, man. And, um, uh, I got a lot of really good texts from, from people. Some people I talk to reg- regularly, some people don't talk to all the time, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I feel like a lot of people were actually probably more stoked than I was. Oh, dude, which yeah. Is, which is which is super rad. Chad almost lost his mind. I said
2: Chad's <laughs> one of them. Yeah,
1: Chad's <laughs> one of them. Chad, I thought he might get in his truck and just drive to Kansas like <laughs> last night, you know?
2: Yeah, it, you just, I just, I love everything about it. I love that um, it happened to you in the way that it happened. And you filled that goal, stuck to it. And yeah, man, this is like exactly, you just, you can't dream up. Yeah. A better situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, now uh, we'll go back to the real world. Go back to uh, Pennsylvania. My wife told me I'm not allowed to kill any more deer this year because the freezer is full. And she said, "When are you coming home?" No, she didn't, because <laughs> she, <said, laughs> she asked me. She's like, "What are you going to do now?" I was like, "Well, I have a doe tag." She's like, "Do not kill any more deer." So no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she told me your hunting season is done for the year. Yeah. You are finished. You are now uh, going to finish your uh, your honey do list now. Well,
2: on to planning for next year. Mm-hmm. You learned more yep. from from this year and it's just going to keep, I mean, let's, but live, live this up, dude. Live oh, yeah. in the moment. I mean, yeah, th- it's pretty cool that you can, you're done now yeah, because now you don't have to worry about like putting this on the back burner to yeah. go fill out more stuff. Yeah. like This is it.
1: You yeah. like went out on top. Yeah. For this year. For this year. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I've already started thinking about next year, you know, because there's a piece that the taxidermy... Uh, the taxidermist I went to, he kind of turned me on to because he was like, hey, I like I like when I see guys like you doing it on the ground and like open country with, with no trees. And he's like, yeah, that's the way he likes to do it. Yeah, you know? He's like, I got a lot of respect for guys like you that travel out of state and come do this and do it the hard way. You know, he's like, let me show you a couple pieces that are, and he showed me some bucks that he has at his mountain right now from those places that are like, like over 200 inches, you know, Ooh. multiples, you know, and uh, I think the biggest one, he, the rack he put in my hands was like, Two twenty in some change, and uh, and he told me he's like these are coming out of this area, and I was <laughs> like, "Whoa!" <Yeah. laughs> so I might get up early tomorrow before I go pick my buck up from the uh, oh. from the meat locker and go glass and just kind of drive a couple of those places and just see. You know, it's a little bit of a hike, but I'm like, I thought about, it, I was like, man, eh, that's gonna be a long drive, and I was like, what else you got to do? What else I got to do? And when am I going to be in Kansas again to go do that? That I'm not hunting.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea.
1: So I think I'm going to actually drive to one of those pieces tomorrow and, and just drive around it a couple times, spend a little bit of time glassing it. You know, I probably won't walk it, but just kind of do an outside like view. Yeah. It's a kinda. head start. Yeah. So, cool. well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you, uh, navigating the, uh, the pilot chair for this one and, uh, interviewing me. It's always weird to be the guest on my own show, <laughs> but you did, you did a great job. If you ever need a, if you ever need a, uh, a second job, you're, you're in.
2: Well, it, uh, to be honest, it's a it's a big honor. I mean, I know I'm just in this chair because I'm just here oh, well. But um, to be a part of the biggest deer you've ever killed. Yeah, man. It's pretty sweet.
1: Thanks, brother I appreciate you dude. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show I'd like to thank all of you for listening and if you haven't yet Please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and while you're at it Head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all.